Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yep, on his trip to Asia, Biden has talked about a wide range of issues, and I thought he had some pretty interesting things to say. Here's Biden at a meeting. I'm excited to be here in your great country. Haven't been over here since the 70s. Those are some crazy times. I used to roll with a biker crew in Dover called the Wild Chinchillas. We all had matching tattoos of a mermaid. If you flexed your arm, you could make a burp. Interesting. I just... That, next, here he is at a dinner. Listen to this. What's for supper, fellas? You guys don't need to make anything fancy. I'm happy with just burgers cooked on the hood of a Ford Ranger. Wash it down with some licorice soda. There's so much heat on your car's engine, I hate to let it go to waste. So I like to make a meal out of it. Here he is touring a Samsung factory. Listen to this. What are you guys making this place? There used to be a factory in Scranton that made circus peanuts. When no one was looking... You and your buddies could jump in the vat of hot liquid circus peanut ooze and swim in it. Felt like sitting in a sugary hot tub. It's just interesting. <laughs> wow. His, his details are so perfect. Circus peanuts. <laughs> that is the sort of thing Joe Biden would talk about. <laughs> I had hairy legs. <laughs> oh, God. I got circus hairy peanuts. legs. Circus peanuts. You and I have disagreed vehemently over circus peanuts through the years. You, I, I used to love them as a kid. Oh, you, I admit they are so gross. Wow, I can. But I loved them. I can conjure up that consistency in my brain yes. if I think about it. Exactly that weird consistency that gets all over your teeth. And, uh, <laughs> oh boy, I'm tempted to do transition music here as uh, a bunch of reports have come out of China. Bearing witness to the Uyghur genocide that is going on and the world is ignoring. Right. This might make an impact. Never before seen CCP speeches, 
Xinjiang, that's the region they're being held in. Police documents and detainee image, images that are just coming out today. And it's a, it's, a, it's a a whole bunch of stuff. I'll read from the BBC's version of this. Thousands of photographs from the heart of China's highly secretive system of mass incarceration, as well as shoot-to-kill policies for those who try to escape, are among a huge cache of data hacked from a police computer server in the region. Good for you hackers, whoever got this. The Xinjiang police files, as they're being called, were passed to the BBC earlier this year after a months-long effort to investigate and authenticate them. They can be shown to offer significant new insights into the internment of the region's Uyghurs and other Turkic minorities. I mean, it's by definition genocide. I mean, because of the way they're targeting these people. Their publication coincides with the recent arrival in China of the UN Human Rights Commissioner, for a controversial visit to Xinjiang, which critics concerned that her itinerary will be under a tight control of the government, and she won't see this stuff. Of course ah. it will. The cash reveals in unprecedented detail China's use of re-education camps and formal prisons as two separate but related systems of mass detention for Uyghurs, and seriously calls into question its well-honed public narrative about both, what do you think? The government's claim that the re-education camps built across the uh, that part of the country since 2017 are nothing more than schools. <sighs> but it's contradicted by internal police instructions, guarding rosters, and the never-before-seen images of the date, D-date, hmm. hmm. the people being detained. And they've got some of the pictures here, and they look like a lot like pictures you've seen from concentration camps around the world, throughout history, because that's what it is. And, uh, by the way, the files contain more than 5,000 police photographs of Uyghurs that have been arrested for a variety of crimes, using my finger quotes, and uh, and all and all kinds of documentation that I think most of us already believed was happening anyway, but hopefully will prove to the world uh, that this is happening. Does it make any difference? I don't know. Jonah Goldberg uh, tweeted this out uh, with the caption of never again was always phony. Mm -hmm. The idea that after the Holocaust, never again will the world allow this to happen. Well, we know it's happening in China right now, and people are still doing business there. Oh, yeah, by the billions. Sure. Uh, there was a detainee who escaped and made it to the West a few weeks ago, and uh, his description of what they do to you if you step out of line or don't seem to be getting with the program is, uh, you know, it's uh, the same old horrific beatings and tortures and rapes and the rest of well, it. Well, what oh. kind of school is that? Yeah, yeah, not a very good one. Oh, in a related story? I happen to come across this on ESPN. On the eve of the current NBA playoffs, the league's games returned to state-run TV in China after a three-year ban, uh, after a couple of misunderstandings where these just utterly horrible people like then-Rockets general manager Daryl Morey expressed support for Hong Kong. And China cracked down and said, "Uh, no NBA here, not anymore. You people are going to get mouthy like that, so... NBA owners had remained largely silent throughout the ban, even as the league worked behind the scenes to repair the ruptured relationship that had cost hundreds of millions of dollars. And they make the point on ESPN and laid bare the complexities of doing business with an authoritarian regime. 
Uh, and then this I found very interesting. The owners had reason to stay quiet. In addition to their the money their teams derived from the NBA's $5 billion business in China, many of the owners have significant personal stakes there through their other businesses. And ESPN examined the ex- investments of 40 principal owners of NBA teams, found collectively they have more than $10 billion tied up in China. Wow. Which is not shocking. I mean, if you're a uh, a billionaire, a global economy-loving type, you're going to have a hell of a lot of money in China. But if you ever wonder why the NBA is so soft on China, well, there are a handful of reasons. I think I mentioned this last week. I was listening to a podcast with uh, General McMaster. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um... He goes around giving advice to corporations, and his advice is it's not a matter of if, it's when we decouple from China. And the recommendation is, hey, you companies, do it now on your terms as opposed to when it all crashes down completely and all your uh, capital and infrastructure is stuck there in China and you've got no way to get it out and you're you're, you're scurrying to try to keep your company running. And there was a story in the uh, Wall Street Journal just over the weekend about how Apple is looking at Vietnam and somewhere else to move their uh, iPhone operations, for instance. And now they said for supply chain reasons, my guess would be, well, that's certainly true, but my guess would be, it would also be for political reasons that they realize it's going to become untenable for for companies to be doing business there. But they can't say that out loud because they're still making iPhones there. So they can't be bad mouthing the, the 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 Chinese government while they're still making iPhones there. They got to get yeah. out of China into Vietnam or wherever they do it. Then they can say, "Whoo, boy, those are bad people." And here's how bad they are. But until then, these companies have to keep their mouths shut. I hate to uh, jump on the very unicorns that I criticize other people from riding around on, but can you imagine? Can you imagine if Mexico wasn't corrupt and controlled uh, largely by the drug cartels? Wow. Yeah. What a hotbed of manufacturing that would be. How the Mexican economy would explode. The standard of living explode. I caramba. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the cartels have too much power. Unless we invade. I, I don't, just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. I don't know if this story is going to do it when the pictures start making the rounds and all that sort of stuff of these people being tortured and held prisoner and everything like that. But... The day is coming where it will seem crazy that the NBA is going over there to play a game. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Barring some major reform that I don't think is going to happen, it's going to be akin to, you know, selling Stalin the, 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 the what he needed for his gulags. You know, doing business with Hitler in 1940, never mind 1936. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it will be looked back on as, what was the matter with those people? How are they so morally bankrupt that they, 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 you know, stomached that? And we'll answer, it was complicated. We didn't want to pay more for our crappy t-shirts at Walmart. Or our iPhones or whatever the heck else. Uh, so Amber Heard's people have asked, have filed a $100 million countersuit against Johnny Depp for damaging her. Yes. And and the judge today has uh, denied Johnny Depp's request to throw that out. So Good. Maybe this will go on for another six months or more. (laughs) Then we can all enjoy it. Two drunken idiots casting aspersions at each other. 
but hot, rich, drunken idiots. So it's a soap opera. That's why people are watching. And it's growing in terms of people paying to try to get in. The crowd. If I'm the on Trump- the jury, I have the judge arrested for kidnapping. Let me out of here. <laughs> well, You're holding a, me against my will. We got a little report on that later. Not next, but later in the hour. Oh, and also, this is one of the strangest episodes, I think, in political history. If it were not for the COVID-frightened uh, Title 42 allowing the uh, the Border Patrol to turn away people uh, from flooding into the country, we would have millions of people f- flowing into the country right now. And, and Title 42 is only being held together by various judges. Mm-hmm. And, and Congress is doing nothing. The administration is doing nothing. It's just unbelievable. So we'll check in on the border and a bunch of other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Dozens of migrants from Mexico, Central America, Haiti, and Africa wait in line at shelters, clinics, and soup kitchens in Tijuana. Many waited for months for an end to Title 42 and are confused about what's happening now. Migrants have three choices, return home, wait in Mexico, or cross illegally. With some 11 million jobs open in the U.S., border agents fear many won't wait. I have no reason to believe that they're going to wait in line like they should. They're going to continue to come across the border in waves, and that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, we know. So if we had unlimited time and we're willing to get just totally eggheaded on you, I'd really love to get into this uh, recent ruling by the first, Fifth Circuit Court in an SEC case in which the court ruled in a way that that some people think might be a turning point. They said, hey, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they make these rules, and then they accuse you of violating them. Their own judges, like administrative judges, decide if you're guilty or not, then they hammer you with fines. The Constitution says you have a right to a trial by a jury, Congress didn't pass these laws. What the hell is going on here, in short? Mm. Really interesting stuff. And 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 uh, I came across a great piece in the Wall Street Journal that talks about how the administrative state has become not only the fourth branch of government, but it's it's usurped many of the powers of all three branches. And, and is like the power in America right now, where the rubber meets the road. Anyway, maybe I'll just leave that as a summary, but... Speaking of, uh, you know, either having your powers usurped or not exercising them, Congress and the border, Congress and immigration. It's just, it's inexcusable. So on the whole Title 42 thing, so I don't know, did we ever mention specifically that a judge over the weekend said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. So, yeah, I was, yeah, I was just about to jump into that. Yeah. The, the only thing that's letting the Border Patrol turn people back at the border at this point is not the laws of the United States, but Title 42, which was a COVID era. Hey, we can't have people flooding in with the Chinese bat fever measure. And uh, and and various judges say, no, you can't do that anymore because COVID ain't so bad anymore. And so you got to get rid of it. Meanwhile, on both sides of the aisle, the cowards are saying, no, keep it around because that means we don't have to do anything about it. <laughs> that keeps the, the super flood of immigrants from coming. It's it's super handy for us. Well, a judge, just uh, Judge Robert Summerhays of uh, some court or another, 
uh, ruled that the president and his team ran afoul of the Administrative Procedure Act by cutting too many corners in its attempt to lift Title 42. And so he said, uh, Republican-led states are saying, hey, we're going to bear the brunt of this wave of migrants, and you didn't even ask us what we think. So he said, you got to slow down and consider this more carefully before you let it happen. So Title 42 is back, at least for now. And according to Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who led the states in challenging the Title 42 end, he said it means the Border Patrol can preserve, quote, some level of sanity along the U.S.-Mexico boundary for now. Yeah, it's a, it's a wacky deal, though. I mean, they're using a a dumb reason to do something that needs to be done, turn people away at the border. But the COVID reason is a dumb reason. A good oh, reason yeah. would be you have to secure your borders. That's what countries do. Using COVID as an excuse is weird, but, you know, if it gets sure. you there for now, I guess. Well, and it's not a Republican-Democrat thing either. It is to a large extent, but down on the border, it's not. I mean, for instance, you got Congressman Vincente Gonzalez, who's a Texas Democrat. He says, I've made my concerns regarding the lifting of Title 42 very clear. Meanwhile, Mark Kelly, Democratic senator in Arizona, said his constituents, quote, have paid the price for Washington's policy failures. He's talking about rampant illegal immigration. Uh, He also said, hey, the judge's ruling is not a permanent answer, which is clearly true. But other Democrats were enraged by Judge Summer Hayes' decision. Rep. Paul Raul Ruiz, who's a California Democrat, chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, which means he's a unicorn-riding, utterly race-baiting unrealist, said the decision, quote, was outrageous, ridiculous, and erodes our asylum system. Title 42 denies asylum seekers their legal rights under American law to due process in the U.S. and goes counter to international humanitarian norms and values. Yeah, international norms and values included hundreds of thousands of people just flooding across a border every single month and the country in question turning them loose and saying, if you feel like showing up for a hearing in five years, do it. If you don't, nobody cares. So what is the arg- What is the reason that Joe Biden wants to do away with Title 42, since uh, polling shows that people are worried about the border situation, just because it was Trump's policy and you can't have anything that smacks of Trump? I think that was definitely one of the motivators at the beginning of this. Um, You know, uh, old Alejandro Mayorkas had insisted in front of Congress a couple of weeks ago that his department would be ready to end Title 42. And we're, yes, it'll lead to a rise in runs at the border, but we're ready to handle it, he said. To which everybody in the world who's conscious said, no, you're not ready to handle it. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's that utopian build bridges, not walls part of the Democratic Party, I guess, that still holds sway. A new movie with Woody Harrelson in it got an eight-minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival, which is practically unheard of. I'll tell you what that movie is, because I'm kind of intrigued. Um, uh, da, da, da. What was the other thing that popped out of my head? I'm having trouble keeping um, my memory going today. I need ginkgo biloba or uh, codfish oil or one of those products you buy to keep your memory going. Maybe both do some codfish oil uh, shots. Oh, Greg Abbott of Texas said some interesting stuff, too. We ought to squeeze in. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The United States would come to Taiwan's defense if yes, China attacked. Yes, we have a commitment to do that. If chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would, re- it would trigger a response in kind. Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts. And you're going to see when you're there. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are. That's the commitment we made. I'm guessing that's a montage of recent statements from the president that were then immediately walked back by his own people. 
Yeah, and they shouldn't. I think it's brilliant. What's better than strategic ambiguity? Strategic confusion. The Chinese don't have the slightest idea what we're thinking. Yes, strategic WTF is what we exactly. Call it. I love it. Putin survived an assassination attempt two months ago, according to the chief of defense intelligence of Ukraine yesterday. Hmm. Who might know? Or this yeah. might be some sort of psyops thing to mess with Putin's head. Who knows? How close did they get, allegedly? Said an unsuccessful attempt on the strongman's life occurred in the Caucasus shortly after Russia invaded the nation on February 24th. The Iowa Caucasus? Um, that's a region of that part of the world. No, oh, the Caucasus is uh, kind of the root of the term Caucasian, I'll be if you will. I'm one of them. It's actually a region between the Black and Caspian Seas, if you want to get particular. Um, Thank you for that. And the expert said, I repeat, this attempt was unsuccessful. Okay, well, thanks for that. The the fact that he still exists kind of led me to believe that. (laughs) Um, There is no kind of the measure of successful or unsuccessful assassination attempt. Yes. There was no publicity about this event, but it took place, this guy said. So there you go. Whether that happened or not, or this is a psyops campaign, I don't know. It wouldn't be the least bit shocking that somebody tried to kill Putin. In fact, if somebody hasn't yet, uh, it's only a credit to his uh, security system, really. Uh, Because somebody should. The top 50 richest people in the world, which include, of course, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Bill Gates, have lost more than half a trillion dollars this year on paper. Hmm. According to the Wall Street Journal, that's a lot of money. Even when you're crying shame, even when you're crazy rich, that's a lot of money. A half a trillion dollars spread among the top 50 richest people, which led a whole bunch of people to react to. So would you get a rebate then under Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax because you got taxed for a certain wealth that no longer exists and might not come back for years, if ever? Or how does that work? Well, that would suggest that her idea is utterly unworkable. I'm going through a a bunch of my notes back to Russia and Ukraine. President Zelensky, part of his interview he did with Axios yesterday, said that there is a president to step in if he were assassinated. They do have a succession plan. It's all arranged for, which is not surprising, but uh, that's good news to put out to people. Look, things will keep on keeping on. You get rid of me. I assume that uh, Putin feels like Zelensky is a unique leader, though. You you would have replaced Churchill with a different prime minister, but they probably wouldn't have been as good. Um, President Zelensky also was asked about, are you worried that the West will lose interest in this war? And President Zelensky said, people can easily get tired. They just start to scroll down, which is a very modern take on things. This is cynical, but this is the way the world is, he said. He and his aides spend a lot of time thinking how to maintain global attention. Our task for the world, not to get tired of our war and supporting Ukraine. I'm sure they think about that all the time. Yeah, some of the latest is really interesting, too. The Russians aren't making much progress at all. They're narrowing and narrowing and narrowing their aims and uh, and, and inching forward, but at a pretty serious cost. Feels, uh, Feels like it's heading toward a stalemate to me. So um, this is where I'm going to slip in at Joe's Disgust, the latest on the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial. Now that's a transition. With a uh, an update on what went on there. They had a bunch of medical examiners on yesterday, as you'll hear here. Here, here. Seem to be conversations going on between executive producer Mike Hansen and Michael Angelo. Here we go. 
Those who did take the stand Monday included an orthopedic surgeon who examined medical records from an alleged incident claiming Heard severed Depp's finger after flinging a bottle of vodka at him, but found the medical evidence to be inconclusive. Does Mr. Depp's description of what happened line up with the undisputed photographic evidence that you've reviewed? No. A psychiatrist testifying that Depp shows signs of a substance abuse disorder, while movie executive Catherine Arnold claimed Heard has suffered financially because of defamatory statements from Depp. Her publicist company was harassed. Uh, any kind of movie that she was related to got negative attention from the social media world, which made it difficult to work with Amber on any level. So a couple things there I find amusing. Substance abuse disorder. Okay, if that's what you want to name it or whatever. Mr. Depp, it seems that you pass out on a nearly daily basis with like an ice cream cone in your hand or your face in the sand as your children play about you and that sort of thing, often in your clothes, next to a toilet. And Uh, from a variety of substances, too. It's not like you got a favorite. So I think perhaps you have a substance abuse disorder. You mean he gets really drunk a lot? Uses drugs to the point of passing out? Yeah, seems to. And then the whole, I I still have not understood this whole, he threw a bottle at her and then he played with the glass so that he could, then he cuts his finger and then he writes words all over the house in his own finger blood. (laughs) And then they ask a doctor, are those cuts consistent with it? Well, how would the freak would you know? Yeah, I cut on a finger. I don't know. Did he do it? Did she do it? I don't know. I don't even remember what he claims happened with his finger, and I don't want to hear about it because it's gross. <laughs> but I, he says I, she threw the bottle at him. So, you know, originally, and and I've offered this take many times. The the fact that this just s show is dragging on astounds me, <laughs> since the whole thing could have been decided in sixty seconds. I'm suing her for defamation. She suggested I'm a wife beater. He hit me. He hit me several times. Mr. Depp, are you a blackout drunk? Yeah, I am. So how would you know if you hit her or not? All right, we're through here. It would be over. Then you fill out the paperwork, everybody goes home. That was my original take. Now I've changed my mind. I think every bitter dispute among idiots should be discussed, should be settled, rather, in court, (laughs) on TV, in public. Two sisters who've been bitching at each other since they were eight and seven years old. Ellis, she's just jealous because I've kept my shape after high school and she's big and fat now. Well, she's just jealous because my man Frank makes twice as much money as her bum of a husband. I want it all on TV, all the time. Tomorrow... Tomorrow, Kate Moss takes the stand, world supermodel. So that will draw lots of attention also. Super. For what? (laughs) To say what? (laughs) Yes, I was with them both, and they were both wasted. Judge says, all right, okay, great. Thanks for showing up. You're still hot, by the way. You ever ever see an older man now? No? Okay, just asking. All right, get out. What the hell? I agree. What the hell? Uh, It was so bizarre. And so grotesque. And so grotesque. That's the description of this whole trial. You know what's grotesque is having someone break into your home and you got no way to catch them or figure out who done it. You won't have that problem probably with Simply Safe, depending on which version of Simply Safe you get. Because you can construct you want you're heavy on the cameras or you're more concerned about this or that. Simply Safe is a product you customize to your own home. Then when it comes, you set it up, takes you about thirty minutes. 
You know, I'm struck by this story that Simply Safe told to us about a gal who is a uh, a sleepwalker, a frequent sleepwalker, and she got a Simply Safe system that included an entry sensor. Um, and and so if she tried to sleepwalk out the front door onto the highway your house was near, it would go off and wake her up. You know, that's probably a pretty rare situation. But if you've got a kid who's prone to wandering, yep. or you're afraid they're going to head out to the pool or whatever, yeah, Simply Safe Home Security has sensors for that. Yep, so you got that kind of 24-7 protection from Simply Safe in ways you might not even have thought of yet. That's why more than 4 million people already use and love Simply Safe. It's less than a dollar a day. Come on now. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize the perfect system for your home in minutes. Go today. Claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. And yeah, it'll keep randos from stealing your stuff. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So what is the most childless city in America? If you're if you live in the area, you would guess pretty easily it is San Francisco. Uh just thirteen percent of the city's population is under eighteen. That's wow, the that's lowest amazing. That's the lowest number of anywhere in the country. I mean, other than like weird examples throughout history, that's gotta be one of the lowest numbers in human history. You know, it very well might be. It very well might be. Uh, in a handful of the neighborhoods, the share of children is under 10%. So under 10% of the people are under 18 in some of your neighborhoods in San Francisco. God, that's incredible. Everywhere I lived as a child, the majority of people were under 18, I think, because it was all families, and there's usually two or more kids. So yeah, about half was kids anyway. There are almost certainly a few neighborhoods where there are more junkies living in tents than there are children. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the, the best part is this. Uh, oh, and, and by the way, they're, the under-18 population has been drop, dropping since at least 1990. Uh, and if you've spent any time at this, in San Francisco, you might easily think, as I have, who could possibly, why would you ever raise a kid here? And my, my, my question is not, why are there so few children? It's just, those of you who are raising kids in San Francisco, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. What no is kidding. it about this that you like? But, um, of course, the uh, former district supervisor talked about the, the problem with income inequality, which is leading to uh, fewer children, is what's going on there, and not... What the hell? Bums, feces, needles. Fecal matter. That's right. It's, it's so grotesque. <laughs> um, so grotesque. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I had the realization. This was a few years ago, a handful of years ago. I was in Fr- San Francisco, and I saw a pregnant woman. And it shocked me as if I'd seen a bear running down the street. I mean, it was just, whoa, whoa, I haven't seen a pregnant lady in San Francisco since I can remember, which is such an odd thing for a society. Well, piggybacking on a conversation we had last week, though, a little bit about how there'll be changing policies and all that sort of stuff as the childless crowd, you know, really starts to dominate the population, the voting population. There's going to be a lot more childless resorts, childless flights, childless restaurants, because mm-hmm. there's just enough people to do business, and I gotta believe that the va- well, I know enough people in San Francisco. The vast majority of them don't have kids. Are like, yeah, on purpose. I don't want kids. And the fact that there are no kids around here, awesome. That's why I'm here. And I think you'll have areas of the country or cities wherever where people will move because there are no kids there. Yeah, which is really interesting. Like sociologically, I-, I think that will be practically trivial in comparison to the broader effect of are you future orientated. 
or or present Absolutely. You live your life completely differently. My Well, cons- you fashion your society. Sure. I can my concern with the, the government debt is not what it's going to do to me in my lifetime. It's not going to affect me in my lifetime probably. It's for my kids and their kids. That's why I worry about that stuff or sure. anything the border just any practically any issue you can think of. Um, it's about what it's going to be like for my kids, not me. I'm far enough in light. Things are going to stay roughly the same the rest of my life. Oh, my God. The emailers, you're quick. You're quick. A couple emails saying, Joe, I've been to the Castro district. Plenty of bears running down the streets. No, right. not hairy Different. gay fellas. Different. I mean, like grizzlies. Not larger framed hairy men. We mean, right. yeah. Exactly. No, no, I mean like, you know, <laughs> bears. Completely different thing. Yes. Uh, more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Washington Examiner reporting Hunter Biden's laptop is 100% authentic and there is no evidence of tampering, according to experts who have looked at it. That's the latest on that. Bears all all marks of Russian uh, conspiracy uh, misinformation there. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think by the time the mainstream media comes around to the fact that the Biden family ran an, uh, you know, access for sale scheme mob, uh, you know, the old man will either be in the grave or in the old folks' home babbling incoherently, and everybody will say, well... It's in the past now. So, well, how about the testimony on Friday that one of Hillary's own people testified that she directly told him to plant a fake story? Yes, yes, yes. And and that story that story is out there as of Friday, and that was mm-hmm. one of the many stories that all your media ran with about Russian collusion and Trump. This and the the House of Cards is starting to fall and everything like that. And now that is out there. One of her own people testified that. Uh, to that, and the Washington Post doesn't cover it. The New York Times doesn't cover it. None of the organizations that went that sent you on this wild goose chase for all those years are interested in it now. Yeah, the secret uh, Trump has a secret server connected to this Russian bank. It was fictional from the beginning. The FBI took about an hour to look into it and said, this is crap. So the, uh, the Hillary had to know. But she specifically authorized going to the media with the story, the October surprise. It's really wild how just there's just no interest in this story. Okay, fine. I guess you get to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Do I have time for this? Yeah, more or less. I thought this was some great writing in uh, the uh, the Washington Post the other day. They'll occasionally run a dissenting point of view. Uh, Catherine Rample wrote this. A conspiracy theory has been infecting the Democratic Party, its progressive base, even the White House. It's not as, quite as self-sabotaging as the horse dewormer cures COVID false theory, but but it's pretty damaging nonetheless. Call it greedflation. The theory goes something like this. The reason prices are up so much is that companies have gotten greedy and are conspiring to, quote, pad their profits, quote, profiteer and price gouge. No one has managed to define profiteering and price gouging more specifically than raising prices more than I'd like. For example, a bill introduced on Thursday by a couple of Democrats, Warren, Elizabeth Warren and Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin and some geek from Illinois, uh, bans price gouging, which it defines as unconscionably excessive pricing. That's a quote. What counts as unconscionably expensive, you ask? Uh, to be determined, but it's definitely going to be illegal. The problem with this narrative is that it's just... Well, it's what's called tautology, which is a fancy term that means you explain something by repeating it. Yes, prices are going up because companies are raising prices. Okay, this is the economic equivalent of saying it's raining because water is falling from the sky. Well, why? Why? Why are companies, which have always been greedy, or you might say profit-maximizing, able to raise prices now? What changed between early 2020, when corporate profits and inflation were plummeting, and today, when both metrics are unconscionably up? As a matter of fact, you could make the argument that the best time to just raise prices for greedy reasons would have been when the economy was going great and everybody was feeling rich, as opposed to now, if you're just doing it to try to make money. 
Right, right. Well, economists who are not, uh, you know, pandering nut jobs like Liz Warren explain the recent run-up in inflation that demand is strong thanks to pandemic force savings plus expansionary government policies, stimulus payments, low interest rates, etc. Meanwhile, supply remains constrained by COVID-related disruptions, labor shortages, and other unfortunate shocks. Companies can't ramp up production quickly enough to procure all the stuff that they need to fulfill the uh, consumer's desires, whether that stuff is oil, furniture, or eggs. But consumers still want the stuff and have plenty of cash in hand, so they're willing to pay more. Pushes prices up. Concrete example. In 2019, a car dealer that raised prices 10% might have lost customers and watched inventory sit. Today, that dealer can raise prices 20% and still have trouble keeping anything in stock. That's because cars remain hard to come by and customers are willing and able to pay a premium for whatever's available. The solution to the broader increase in prices, then, is ramping up supply and t- and or tamping down demand, like raising interest rates. Supply and demand is not the greedflationists' preferred lens on inflation. They say inflation is driven by an epic struggle between big corporations and their innocent victims, the customers. And she goes on to point how silly that is and how it's a demagoguery, and that's not the way economies work anyway. But, you know, there was another piece that, who was it, who wrote about it? I can't remember. was talking about even within the Biden administration, there were a number of officials saying, we can't keep going with this. Corporations are greedy. They're price-gouging stuff. Nobody believes it. It's too dumb. We all know it's not true. Why are we doing this? <laughs> but but they were shouted down by the people who say, shut up. It polls great. People love that. That sort of talk. Mm. What so. percentage of the country probably uh, buys that? I, I, I'll bet 30. I was going to say 25 or more. So, yeah, pretty good chunk. Yeah. 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 Which might be enough to get you elected. Uh, if you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast. It's Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.